Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the Out of the Comfort Zone. So the question for today, how much is your image, your appearance, your style holding you back in your career? Now, if you're like most people I talk to, you really want your knowledge and your expertise to drive your career. But that image can also be limiting your impact as well. And we want to talk about the day. We know that human beings decide to listen, trust, and perhaps even believe what you're saying based in part on the image of the presenter. And this is true whether you're identifying as male or as female. We're going to unpack the mystery of this image piece and tell you some practical tips about what you can do to get started today. So my guest is Erin Mathis. She's co-founder of The Style Corps and helps people up-level their personal style so that they show the world who they really are and align their image with the impact that they want to make. Now, some people may dismiss style and transformation as just a makeover, quote-unquote, but as a style coach, Erin understands how image has the power to transform your entire life, and she shares more about this in her fabulous TED Talk, The Power of Image to Transform Your Life. She's coming to us from California, from her home, where she coaches clients around the world through her online signature transformational program called Create Your Million Dollar Look. And you can check out lots more details at her website, erinmathis.com. Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, Wanda. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here today. Pleasure to have you. I have to say, talking to an, an image consultant, a style consultant, makes me want to be a little more careful myself in my own presentation, which is a good thing, I think. So, that's start, what, yeah, that's start, what everybody says. I'm sure that's what, what they is say. Is what I'm wearing okay? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I get the same thing as a psychologist, you know, nervous about talking to me, thinking that I can read their mind. All right. Why does this topic about image and style matter to you? Why did you get started on this work? Why did I get started? You know, at a pretty young age, I kind of discovered this power that image held. I I have a story where I was like pretty nerdy and kind of bullied in middle school. And somehow I managed to pick up some style tips and kind of grow out my hair and put myself together. I had a pretty big transformation going into high school and so much changed. And I, at that point, I just kind of noticed like, wow, the way I looked on the outside really made a big impact in my life. It changed a lot of things in my trajectory and my path. So that was kind of my first little awakening. I started to think, look around me and think, wow, if this worked for me, it could work for other people. I actually used to fantasize, like if I had a magic wand, what would I do to this person or that person to transform them? And what kind of change would it make in their life? So I didn't even know there was a career in this, but I started just kind of having that awareness pretty young. That's amazing. So now I can't help but ask, what did you do between middle school and high school that so transformed your image and therefore how people reacted to you? 
Well, oh my gosh, if you saw a picture of me, you would just go, oh, precious dear, if you saw me as a 13 year old. <laughs> in fact, I have shared this story and the pictures of me in my TED talk. So if anybody's interested, definitely go check that out because you're going to see me and you're going to go, oh, you poor thing. I had like this short mullet. I wore glasses that were not great on me and didn't really know how to do like makeup or hair, wardrobe. So I, I just began to pick up some tips. I was actually copying my mother's look, which did not work for a 13-year-old girl. I began to pick up some style tips that were appropriate for my age, grew out my hair, got contacts, um, you know, got a fashion sense, and kind of like stepped into my first year of high school, like looking a little bit like a Barbie doll. I'm blonde, you know, the classic. And it just like changed so, the way people noticed and paid attention and and it really, it changed my confidence. I felt more confident. And so I was like being more bold, being more outgoing, trying out for this sport or that, or just, you know, taking steps that I, I didn't take when I felt so insecure about my appearance. Yeah, I think we all relate to that. Men and women, that when yeah. you feel like you are looking your best, you feel more confident. And then that confidence has its own knock-on effect. And we know this if you're going to an interview, that you get prepared for the interview, you think a little bit, you worry a little bit more about the tie if you're a guy or the jacket or the shoes or the whatever else is appropriate or, or as a woman. And that just helps you get prepared. And I know I always say to people inside a corporation, you should dress like you're dressing for an interview every day because you are, in effect, interviewing every single day. So it shows the power of that. Now, why do you say, because I know you spend a lot of time talking about this, about why the image is important. Most of us, as I said at the start, want our content to be the thing we're remembered for, not the color of our hair or the clothes we were wearing or the shoes we had on that day. So what is it about this image that makes such a difference? That's a great question. You know, I mean, let's talk about psychology. There are some studies, psychological studies have shown that the clothes we wear affect our behavior, our mood, our confidence, the way we interact with other people. And it's, it's a phenomenon known as enclosed cognition. And I've experienced this myself. I've seen it in a lot of clients who I've worked with. Basically, how you put yourself together changes how you feel about yourself, how others perceive you, and the kinds of opportunities and people you attract. So there's the, there's a psychological element that's been proven, and then, yeah, it just affects a lot of things. And any speculation on why it is we're attracted to some images and not to others? Like, why can't we as human beings get past the surface and tune into the deeper level? Any thoughts on that one? Well, we are, we're visual people. And um, it's interesting. In college, I actually studied visual communication, but more as it relates to graphic design on the, on the page. And I've taken a lot of those principles and applied them to the body. I mean, I like to see, teach people to see themselves as a work of art. We're attracted to beautiful works of art that have color harmony and visual balance. Well, guess what? The same is true on a human body. If we present ourselves in a way that is visually balanced, proportionately pleasing, if there's a color harmony with the way we've put ourselves together, those same principles that work in art work on the human body. 
So it's really fascinating. Okay. Okay. All right. So anybody who's a skeptic out there, what's your last pitch on why you can't be a skeptic any longer? Oh, why, why your visual matters? Uh huh. Uh -huh. (laughs) Because people, people see you. I mean, I know some people like to think like it's not going to matter, but first impressions make a difference. And that's another, that's another study. You know, people make an impression within seven seconds of seeing you. So if you completely write off how you look or you don't consider it, then you're going to be missing the impression you want to make. Right. I um, often will say to people, if you think you don't make snap impressions based on how people look, stand in an airport or a train station and just watch and give me, now articulate for me what your impression is of each person walking by. And I think you'll astound yourself quite quickly. I remember one I senior- love that. That is so good. I love, I'm going to use that. That is brilliant. <laughs> one senior executive took, it happened to be a female talent who was working for him and who wanted her to focus a little bit more on the image that she was presenting. And he took her onto the trading floor where there's hundreds of people. And he said, what's your impression of that person? What's your impression of that person? What's your impression of that person? And pretty quickly she goes, oh, right. I do have an impression about whether they're organized, whether they're chaotic, whether they're thoughtful, whether they're a whole bunch of qualities that we draw based on the visual as well. Now, let's take this for just a moment into the virtual world. Mm -hmm. So, um, in many ways in the virtual world, all we have is the visual. We don't have the whole body and the body language as much as we have in the face-to-face world. And I think we've all gotten a little sloppy on on the virtual side, both in terms of our environment and in terms of our appearance. What's your advice on this one? That's a great question. Yeah, in the virtual world, on screen, less of you is showing. So you only need to really worry about a smaller portion of your, which is so great because, you know, we can be wearing our pajamas and slippers on the bottom. But what is showing on camera, on screen, you need to be conscious and aware of how you're presenting that part of yourself. A really important factor is camera angle. Another important factor is lighting there, there are psychological effects uh, with lighting. If your face is in shadow, people are going to trust you less. If there's a lot of shadows on your face, if you want to be trusted and approachable, you want to have good lighting. So there's some things with that. And then when it comes to your style, you want to think about what's showing on camera. So you don't want to be having all your best things off camera. You want to bring some accessories around your face or, or a collar or a jacket, you know, something that is going to convey the impression you want to make. And, you know, casual these days, casual can be fine, right? A lot of people are casual. That's fine. But sloppy is not okay. How you present yourself sends a message. So if you're casual, make sure that you're polished and you're well lit and you're not in the shadows. Okay. I was talking to an executive recently about a young guy who was making a presentation and it was, again, virtual as everybody's doing these days, but he had on a sweatshirt that was not a particularly nice looking sweatshirt. It wasn't necessarily dirty, but it just didn't look very well pulled together. And he had on a baseball cap, Mm. which she thought was totally inappropriate for the context in which they were talking And that showed sort of a lack of care. And, you know, I'm sure we were all speculating he didn't wash his hair that morning. So he's covering up something. I imagine that's what everybody was thinking. Yeah. Or it can say, I don't care that much. I'm just kind of throwing on a hat and showing up. 
Right. Yeah, it can send different messages. Okay. All right. Is there any part about the image that doesn't matter? That doesn't matter. Oh, gosh. Um, never really thought about that question. Um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say. <laughs> I really can't think of anything. Um, it does matter. I mean, when, when you're showing up and you're going to be seen, it matters. It all matters. Okay. okay. Well, and I think that goes to looking at the background that's around you, especially virtually. And I don't mean just put up an artificial background, but to think about the color tones, the, you know, what's the image that you're giving, um, what's sprouting out of your head that is just hanging on the wall and you hadn't thought about. I mean, all of these things we would think about as a photographer taking a photograph of somebody. And it's almost like you've got to take that photograph of yourself to see where you are. Okay. I mean, do you want people to focus on your face? Or do they want, you want them to be caught up in a cluttered background that they, you know, or high contrast. So there, there's a lot to think about there as well. Or trying to read the books over your shoulder rather than listening to what you're saying or whatever else it is that's Mm -hmm. in the background to be thinking about it. All right. Let's dig in a little bit to how Um, you have a seven step process for creating your best style. Tell us what that process involves. Yeah, well, the first step is the most important of all. It is discovering your authentic style archetype. And I've learned a process from my mentor, who's one of the pioneers in our field of image consulting, Carla Mathis. She's my mentor. She's my (laughs) mother-in-law. So um, I've been working with her for over 15 years. But there is this process to discover your style archetype that is kind of bypasses your head and gets right to the heart. So we take our clients through that. um, And it involves selecting images that you love, images that just bring you joy from art, nature, interiors, exteriors, geography, not fashion. Don't, Don't touch fashion, but images that are just things you love. And then we help uh, our clients identify what is it, what are the qualities that you love about these? And they might say, oh, I love the order. I love how peaceful it is. I love the textures, um, the little sparkles, just different qualities. And that is what brings them joy. That's what brings you joy when you identify what it is you love visually. Now, often what happens is the adjectives, the qualities they describe about what they love are, it fits their personality. Like it would describe their personality. Like, oh, they love peaceful, ordered. Guess what? They are a peaceful, ordered person. Uh, They love wild, colorful, mix of textures. Well, guess what? That's their personality. So you identify that. And then I help them bring those qualities into their style, what we call their style archetype. So that can be expressed through colors, patterns, accessories, uh, qualities of style. Uh, So, yeah, the style archetype is a very fascinating, intriguing process of discovery that I take clients through. That's number one. And then we go on to identify uh, their color palette. What are the colors that actually look good on them? What are the colors that work with their personality? There's kind of two different things. Those kind of need to be connected. And then we look at body type and the styles that flatter their body type. Uh, We're kind of walking through the steps here. We look at hair, makeup, and grooming. 
This is a very important part. I am a big believer that your image is head to toe. It's not just the clothes you put on, but it's how it all works together with your hair, your makeup, your grooming, if you're a guy. Um, And then we, for women particularly, and for men, we look at accessories. What should you choose? Why should you choose it? That's also going to relate to your uh, style archetype that we discovered at the very beginning. Uh, It's also going to relate to the shapes that we see in your face. So there's real analysis of uh, your body as a work of art, your face as a work of art, and we relate the shapes. So it's steps like that going through this process that teach people to really understand themselves and, oh, okay, this is who I am. This is how, this is what I can look for when I'm shopping. This is how I pull it all together they have an understanding so that they don't always have to rely on the stylist. They learn a lot about themselves and they can live that out on their own. And decide then from there. And do you think it's important to to adjust this style archetype, this sort of information that you're getting in these seven steps to the corporate culture? Yes. And how so? That's a great question. You know, here, here's an example. If, if, uh, a woman goes through the process. Uh, I'll give you an example for a woman and a man. If a woman goes through the process and she discovers that she just loves sparkle, so she's not going to go wearing sequins to the office, but she could have a very structured corporate suit if she needs to be like strong and powerful and concise. She, But then she can have some earrings that just show some of that sparkle that she needs to have. She might put a little bit of lip gloss on with her makeup Um, So she can kind of incorporate that quality. So there's always a way to incorporate the qualities of your style archetype. Uh, Maybe it's flowing. So instead of a a suit, she will do more flowing styles and and like a flowing jacket. Um, Now, let's say for a man, what if he has a little bit of a whimsical, fun quality to his style archetype? Well, when he gets dressed for the corporate, he could put on a really fun pair of socks that, I mean, they still match the suit, but they kind of peek out. You see this fun little pattern and you go, oh my gosh, you know, this guy has a little bit of fun in his personality. That's going to show through. It might be the pattern on his tie or the way he puts together a, like a business casual that's a little bit more um, creative and fun. Maybe there's a pop of color. So there's always a way to bring your archetype into your, into your look in different situations. Okay. All right. Now, one of the questions I'm going to bet you get asked all the time is, you said it, business casual. Mm-hmm. And everybody is confused by what business casual is and isn't. And I think every company has its own unique version of business casual. So, mm-hmm. any advice about do's and don'ts? So, yes, we've got our own style. We've got our step process. We've got what looks good for us. We've got our archetype. So, I know what personality I'm trying to convey. What are there some basic do's and don'ts? There are. And I, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in that situation, not realizing it, is having poor fit. So people buy clothes that maybe just don't fit right off the rack. They, they have trouble finding a size. It's like too big. Uh, it's too small in the waist. I have to size it up, you know, things like that. Um, and if your clothing fits poorly, either too tight or too loose, it, it, can, it conveys something psychologically, sloppiness. If it's too loose, it conveys sloppiness. Um, if it's too tight it, on a woman, it, it can mean like, oh, you're really trying to show off your body 
or like you've gained weight and you haven't had time to shop. So maybe you're a busy person and you just aren't taking time for self-care. Um, so I would say that tailoring and having clothes that fit you really well uh, is important. And another one is uh, quality. So if, if you let your, your clothes get like, you know, kind of pilled or a little bit tattered, or it's just like the, the level of the quality is going down that is also affecting your appearance. So instead of looking like polished and high level, you might look a little bit tattered and like you've got old clothes and maybe you can't afford to stay up to date on your clothing. So this, those are a few tips, just making sure that the quality is there. It doesn't have to be super expensive or brand name. Just keep it in good shape. And when it gets old, throw it out, <laughs> uh, get a new one and make sure that your clothes fit well. Find a local tailor, not a big deal. Have them adjust the hem length, sleeve length. If you've got big boxy baggy sleeves, it makes you look like things are too big and you just don't look very professional and polished. Okay. I see that on men and women wearing things that either don't fit, haven't been pressed in yeah. a long time and needed to be pressed or too wrinkled, have lost their shape, a little worn around the edges. Mm-hmm. Are one of my pet peeves, the colors don't match. Like we have mm-hmm. two different shades of black, for example, and mm-hmm. it's clear they don't fit together. Like you couldn't bother to match them up or something. One of my favorites on that one. <laughs> Okay. Um, and let me give a, a really practical tip for that one. So like, yeah. what is something somebody can do to figure out if that's them? Take a photo, a full length photo of you. You can either do a full length uh, selfie, like in the mirror where you hold your phone to the side, or you can have a friend do it. Make sure there's good lighting and take a photo of yourself in like your top five business outfits or any outfit that you want to assess and then look at the photos, sit down and look at the photos. Photos don't lie. Like when you look in a mirror, sometimes it's a little hard to like see those things. But when you go back and you look at a picture, somehow you're able to have one more degree of separation and kind of see like, oh, that shirt looks worn on me. Like the sleeves look really baggy or, oh, look how in those pants, this is really common. They're too long. So they have really scrunchy at the knees. That's a really common one. And it looks like it doesn't fit well. You don't look very polished when your pants are like scrunched up because they don't fit the length. So taking a picture can kind of help you step back and assess. And when I work with people virtually in style coaching, because I work with people virtually all all over the world, we use this technique of taking that full length selfie and then looking at that together. But people do it on their own too to see what they might be missing in real life. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because when you're standing in front of the mirror, there's the, oh no, I'm going to be late. I don't have time to worry about this one. I got something else on my mind. Sometimes I confess I don't even look carefully in the mirror. I just sort of rush by at the end of the day. Yeah. And when you're out of that rush and can look to say back several of these, what one looks good, what one, Mm -hmm. you know, what is it that's there? And friends can help you with that one too in a better way. That's right. Friends and style coaches. It's really hard to see ourselves. Even, Even as personal stylists, we often need another opinion. 
Yeah, I, I can't. I certainly need another opinion on a regular basis to make sure I know what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, and so on. Um, if you were given, so you just gave a tip for how to do this in terms of if clothes are not fitting properly or they are a little too worn, need some attention. What other exercise would you have people do on their own to kind of begin to understand what works for them and what doesn't work for them, whether that's color or makeup or hairstyle or, you know, just give us one other exercise. Okay. So the taking picture is great for, for fit. Yes. But just for assessing any kind of outfit overall. Now, the second exercise that kind of connects with that is create a Pinterest board of looks of people that look like you want to look now, try not to pick, you know, if you're like a full figured um, or, you know, shorter and stockier, don't pick people that are like tiny little skinny models, that, you know, but pick people that kind of look like you, you know, if you're plus size search, search for plus size images um, or people with similar coloring, but pick creative vision board of style that you would want to have. So people don't have to look exactly like you, but creative vision board of style that you want to have. Okay. Now you have your pictures of how you currently look and here you have your style board. Now, how big of a gap is there and what are some specific things that you can begin to try out in your own wardrobe that could elevate you to where you want to be, where you want to be going? So it kind of okay. helps you set a vision. Now, many people, you know, some people do some things on their own and make some progress for sure. Other people really benefit from just having that feedback of either a stylish friend or a style coach or personal stylist. Okay. All right. Um, I like that idea. Create a Pinterest board of the looks of people who are similarly shaped, similarly colored to you, and then decide from that, what do you want to try to move towards? Can you give me a concrete example you can keep names obviously confidential of somebody you've worked with and how you've helped them move from their current style to their ideal style, sort of piece yes. by piece without going and spending a fortune on a wardrobe. Yes. Okay. Great question. I can give you an example and I can even give you the name because she has allowed me to share this. <laughs> um, and again, you can see pictures if you go see my TED talk, cause it's a really fun transformation, but my mentor, Carla Mathis, She's been a pioneer in our field, you know, written a book that's like a Bible. But what happened in her path, as happens in many people, kind of by the time she hit her 60s, she was not ready to retire. She's the person who's going to work forever until she, you know, until she no longer. But she had kind of settled into a um, kind of a wash and wear, casual, like little bit of a school marm, she would say. Um, and so her her visual story was kind of communicating an impression that said like pleasant, safe, conservative, unremarkable. So she kind of let her own style slide. And as we were working together, she allowed me to come alongside her and give her a fresh perspective. And so, cause she was not done. She still had lots of goals and plans. And as people in midlife and beyond often do, we're not done. We, we still want to be relevant. We want to be seen as relevant so we can make that impact. So uh, we went through the process, uh, that seven-step path, and really just gave her a total makeover. Um, she had a huge transformation. And her new image, it took a little time because we grew her hair out and things like that. 
different wardrobe, makeup techniques. Her image went from that like safe, conservative, predictable to modern, creative, iconic expert. And she really is an expert. I mean, she teaches this subject. She's amazing. With her new look came all of these new opportunities. Um, after this transformation, she started to get more invitations to teach around the world, more people traveling to learn from her and take her courses. And I would consistently hear people say that her image attracted them. They would say, she looks credible. She looks relevant. This is somebody I want to learn from. So redefining and like reinventing her image, it changed the opportunities and people that she attracted. And it really transformed like the narrative of her career. From there, it just like continued to go upwards and she still has a very thriving career. That's fabulous. Um, It also says the power of having somebody else help you with it because here she is a world-class expert in this topic, but it's hard to apply it to yourself. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get that. I can see how that would work. Um, And I think there are a lot of people who are mid life in some form or another who are worried about can they continue to get the kind of opportunities that they're looking for. And so what you're saying is relevance is important. It is. And ageism is a factor. I, I hate it, but it is, it's a factor. And if we look dated, if we look outdated, if we look irrelevant, uh, people tend to kind of relegate and dismiss and not notice us for those opportunities. So I think image is really important, like to stay relevant. You're not trying to dress like a 20 year old, you know, you, you're going to dress appropriately, but um it can be hard to to do that um, without some help. And yes, I think midlife is a great time to kind of reassess and reinvent. I mean, I had my own midlife. I gave myself a midlife makeover and it was also really significant for me. Um, I had kind of gained weight. I was a mom of young kids, you know, career, depressed. It just was a tough season. And I I gave myself a makeover. I actually got like hair extensions. (laughs) I went out and bought new clothes. I had them fitted to my curvy body because I was carrying a lot more weight. And, you know, that makeover gave me like this new wind of confidence. Um, And pretty soon after I I lost the weight because I just felt great. I, I was actually, before I lost the weight, I was walking down the street in Los Angeles with my daughter, taking her to preschool and a street photographer came up to me and said, excuse me, um, can I take your picture for a street street style magazine, <laughs> street style blog? And that was right after I had kind of given myself this makeover and my, you know, curvy body at the time. And um, I was flattered. I was surprised, but that was kind of a fun little affirmation of, hey, just own your look right now. Don't wait to lose the weight. Reinvent yourself. Well, that was my next question. I was going to ask you if you happen to be one of those people who feel like as the years have accumulated a tiny bit, so have the pounds they do for many of us, Yeah. that what's the best advice for that? And you're not saying go on a diet immediately. You're saying, no, get your outfit and your style fitted to who you are, where you are today. Is that? Yeah, it's that's right. And it's I know it's harder because you're used to dressing your thinner body and that was easier, but it's just a matter of learning new techniques, how to balance your body now. Yes, you might have to get things altered here and there to have it fit where it needs to fit and give you space where you need to have space. Um, But yeah, it's important to just to 
own own it right now. Own it right yeah. now. Okay. And rock it. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, so a perfect place for a break. My guest today is Erin Mattis. She's the co-founder of The Style Core. And as you can tell, they spend their time helping people up-level their personal style. I love that phrase, up-level, which is really about how do we take your image, the impression that you leave, and make sure that it's conveying what you wanted to convey, getting you the opportunities you're looking for, attracting the right kinds of people to you. We've just been talking about the seven-step process, one of which is finding your style archetype, and then the other factors that you're going to do in that seven-step process in order to make sure that you have the right image for you and know how to go and shop and dress and whatever else along the way. Um, you can learn more at Aaron's website, AaronMattis.com. And I should also say that Aaron is offering a free four-day style clarity challenge starting on June 14th to the 17th. There's a long web address for this one, but I think if you Google Style Clarity Challenge, Aaron Mattis, it will take you to a web page that will get you to that particular core, um, particular issue. Or tune into our Twitter feed or our social media feed, and we'll certainly be posting the actual link for you to connect with it. They can just go to AaronMathis.com and there'll be an easy link there. Okay. I was looking for that earlier. I didn't find it. So, all right, I'll take your word for it. Fabulous. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this virtual environment and a little bit more about the kind of style archetypes that you are seeing. We'll be right back. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Erin Mattis. She's co-founder of The Style Core, helping people up-level their personal style. Now, we've been talking about the seven-step process that Erin uses to help people discover their or develop the style and the image that they're looking for. And it starts with the process of discovering your style archetype. Now, I love this idea that you start with images from around whatever, from nature, from photographs from paintings, any visual image that you like, and then you start talking about what it is that attracts you to that image, and we start to get qualities that we now want to see in you and in your style and your image. I also love your distinction, Erin, where you say we want to present ourselves as a visual work of art, our body as a visual work of art. It's just such a loving, caring way to think about our our bodies and our presentation. I like that a lot. So um, we've said often when we talk about style, we're thinking about women. Is the process, the seven steps that you take people through, is that different for men and for women? Are there any unique factors? It's actually pretty similar. We definitely, you know, take men through that same, that same seven step process. And no, it's, it's pretty much the same. It's just that women uh, maybe have more choices to make because uh, they have, you know, a lot more variation of hairstyles and makeup and accessories. Uh, so it can be a little simpler for men, but yeah, we still go through that same process. Some days I envy the simplicity of men. I remember talking to one senior executive. He says, I don't know how you, how the women in my organization do it. I get up, I go to my closet, I have a choice of blue, blue pinstripe, um, black, maybe a gray. I mean, a blue shirt, a white shirt. I mean, I have that many choices. I don't have to make that many decisions in a day. I don't yeah. know how you get dressed in the morning. It's his comment to the end. Yeah, that's right. And one of, uh, I will make a point that one of the, one of the things that men really need to be aware of is their personal grooming. Mm-hmm. They they can tend to neglect that for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, be aware of uh, of your grooming because that those little details send a message. So what is that? That's your your beard, um, or if you don't have a beard, it's shaving. You know, um, partial. It's it's haircuts, it's trimming the hairs in various places, you know. So um, even brows uh, later in life can go a little bit crazy. So mm. it's it's actually good to, to have, you know, I, I do that with my male clients. You might consider getting your brows a little bit groomed and that's going to help polish your appearance and make you look, look a little bit younger. Would you like to look younger? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and since we're talking about brows, that is actually a big one for men and women. Now, when we're young, we typically have nice full brows. As we age, we get less. And, and brows are kind of like a, a frame of our eyes. 
so they can really enhance your face. So it, as you're aging, if you want to, um, just this is like a little trick, a little tip. If you want to look younger and look more polished, polish up your brows. For women, that often means filling them in nicely. Um, and for men, it could just be grooming a little bit. So that's okay. that's a tip that can make a big difference. Surprisingly small, but it okay. actually makes a big difference. Okay. All right. I can see everybody's going to be rushing out to go get advice <laughs> and understand how to, how to take care of this one. Okay. Let's do, um, I want to talk about older clients, but let me talk for a minute about a younger client. Mm-hmm. Let's say we have a young guy. Um, I'll give him 30s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. So established enough in his career and a bit of a techie. So mm-hmm. a bit of a nerdy look. And if he's like most guys in his 30s, it's a pair of pants, a shirt, maybe a plaid shirt, and we're done. Or mm-hmm. that's kind of it. A jacket only if essential. That's the typical format that I'm seeing. So what would you advise? You are taking a young guy who's in the tech area, who's gotten a little bit of a tech slash nerdy look and is looking to upscale, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to do the Steve Jobs black t-shirt copy image, but to fit in his organization. What would you say to him to pay attention to? One of the questions that I would ask him first, as I ask all my clients, is how do you want to be perceived what are your goals? So where do you want to go? How do you want to be perceived? Uh, Where do you want to go in your career, in your personal life? And how do you want to be perceived to do that? So I had a client that fits that description that you were just talking about. He had a background role. He kind of looked a little bit sloppy, you know, t-shirt, jeans. Sometimes the bottom of the jeans were a little bit tattered and frayed. They were super comfy and a little bit loose. He had on some like glasses, didn't really, they weren't super modern or anything. And he wanted to be perceived with more authority. He wanted to advance in his career. He wanted to find a partner. So when we helped him, when I helped him get put together more of a polished look, update his glasses, his hairstyle, um, his clothing. He looked a lot more, he looked polished. He looked more trustworthy, professional, reliable. And shortly after that transformation, he got a big promotion in his career. And actually his, his position had him in front of a lot more people. So, and not only that, but he started dating a very beautiful, powerful woman who works in advocacy. So she's like a real dynamic person. And they ended up getting engaged and getting married. Now, would all of that have happened for the old version of him that was just kind of wearing those slightly sloppy, loose, you know, comfy, you know, nerdy engineering type clothing? I don't think so. I don't think so. That made a big difference in his life. So, yeah, getting more fit, polish, grooming, updating the glasses, things like that. All right. So you've talked a couple of times about the notion of accessories. And for guys, that's going to be things like socks, cufflinks, if you're wearing that kind of a shirt. The watch. The watch. 
the shoes, I'm assuming, matter, um, as well as the hairstyle, Mm -hmm. the belt, the glasses. Mm -hmm. And particularly on Zoom, I'm thinking glasses probably and hairstyle are a big place to go and that you want to make sure that that's a more modern look or a more appropriate look to what you're trying to achieve. And that, yeah, and it's polished. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, for some of my clients, if they're in the creative field, they can be kind of creative, artistic. If you want to be perceived as, you know, polished, precise in a in a field of precision, uh, more formal, then you probably want to have a hairstyle that is tidy, tidy right. and neat, and you're grooming. Yeah. Okay. So again, we're matching that a bit to the corporate style and to the image that I want to be perceived of in that corporate style while still keeping a spark uh, and the piece of my personal archetype in a way that lets me feel like I'm still me if not turned into somebody else. I had a female client, one who's in the techie space, and um, she liked to have a streak of purple in her hair. Hmm. This was her thing. It was her signature thing. She'd been doing it for ages, and it was just her. The only problem is she goes to a very conservative company. Hmm. And so we had this long discussion about what do I do with the streak of purple? Do I have to really give it up or whatever? Anyway, she ended up keeping it, but keeping it away from her face, sort of in the back a little bit, so like back behind the ear. So it was still there. You could still mm-hmm. see it, but it wasn't the first thing that you saw. I think that's a good that's it a worked good for solution. Her. It worked yeah. for her. Okay, so let's go back to the older client kind of case. We talked a little bit about this before the break. We, you know, I, I talked to an awful lot of people who are like your mentor in their 50s to 60s, mm-hmm. um, 50s who still don't want this to be their last job or their last role, and 60s who say, I have a lot more to give and I'm not ready mm-hmm. to quit. And I don't want to be perceived as somebody that can be passed over or ignored or isn't relevant. And for me, I think it's the relevant that is so important, particularly as you're working with a much younger generation today. So what's your advice for the older client? Yes, one of the biggest pieces of advice is that what worked 10 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even five years ago, is not going to cut it at this point. Most likely, your body's changed, your hair's changed, your circumstances have changed. So if you are still using the same hair and makeup techniques, well, makeup for women, hair for men, if you're using the same techniques, you're probably not serving yourself now as well as you could be. So it's just being aware to update update your style. Um, stay aware of current trends if you want to appear relevant. You've got to be self-aware enough to be able to assess if your look is relevant to your demographic or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many people need objective help with this even personal stylists, as you saw with my one of my stories of my mentor today. But it's really important to stay updated, stay aware of current trends, and make sure you're, you're there. Yeah. Right. right. I think um, there's a tendency to want to play up in the organization, to want to impress people who are above you. For good reason. We don't need to abandon that. That would be a mistake. That would be foolhardy. 
But I also think if you're in a leadership position, you have to create followership in down in the organization. And that is having younger people in the organization excited about working with you, wanting to come and talk to you, figuring that you have great advice and wisdom and you are relevant to their concerns today. So it's an interesting balance of both appealing up and mm-hmm. appealing down in the organization. Yeah, and I think it's good to show diversity. So if you're going to go to a team meeting with younger people, you want to have an approachable element to your look. So don't wear the super striking, high contrast, you know, power shoulders suit <laughs> when you want to be approachable and a team player. Uh, we even work with uh, style psychology. So when you want to be approachable, you wear inherent colors. Those are colors that are seen in your body. So your eye color, your skin color, your hair color, those are your inherent colors. When you wear tones in that range, it makes you more approachable. So that's kind of an interesting. That's interesting. I just thought they looked better, but you're telling me it makes you more approachable. All right, fine. That's right. I I don't know. Your your listeners can't see me, but I am actually wearing inherent colors today. I've got um, blue eyes. I've got blue in my shirt. I've got kind of pink in my skin. I'm wearing a pink jacket. So I have some inherent colors on today and okay. uh, gold gold in my hair. So <laughs> Gold earrings and gold hair, yes, I guess. Yes. So for you, when you wear like silver or grays, that will be an inherent uh, approachable color for you with right. maybe a pop of color. So, and then when you're wanting to be more, have more authority, then you're going to go more formal, more structured in your clothing, more polished and braced in the way you pull it together. Yeah. What do you mean by braced? Braced, uh, it's sort of like kind of held together. So it's not going to be like mm-hmm. loose and flowy and kind of drapey. It's going to have more of a structure to the material. It's going to be tucked. It's going to be more, um, yeah, a little bit more uh, structured. Okay. All right. Let's talk about color for just a minute. Um, You just said inherent colors. So when I wear colors that are part of my body, those of you who have seen me know that I have a sort of silvery color hair, silvery blondish color hair, and green eyes. So I know that when I wear green shades, that works really, really well. And gray shades can also work really, really well. Does that mean I should stay within those family tones or are there times when I want to deviate from those family tones quite dramatically? What's your advice on color? Absolutely deviate. So you just know that you can wear those colors and be approachable and look great. You'll also have other colors that really uh, complement your coloring or, you know, represent parts of your personality. If you're in a quiet mood, you might wear quieter colors. If you want to really pop and be seen, and stand out in a crowd, that's where you pull out your power red or your, you know, more powerful, dramatic colors. Um, And then we also teach about your contrast level. So if you have a high contrast coloring, you'll look great wearing high contrast outfits. If you have a low contrast in your natural coloring, you will wear lower contrast. So there's all kinds of simple Once you understand it, it's so simple, but a lot of people just don't know. That's why working with a style coach once or for a period can be so helpful. And then you're equipped and going forward, you got it. You understand it. 
Yeah, I can see that now because I think it's all of this is, and I think I know a good bit about this one. I'm still finding that they're teaching me things along the way here. All right. And the notion here too is not that we're calling you every time that we're going shopping, but that we understand what works. We're shopping in a more efficient manner. We're not spending money on things that aren't going to work, that just hang in the wardrobe. And you're not dependent upon the clerk in the store to actually give you an honest opinion. You know what you're looking for. That's right. I like to make sure my clients are empowered to understand. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Last question for you, Erin, which is let's go back to the virtual world. So we've talked about in virtual that you are painting a canvas from the upper body of your appearance and that we need to make sure that that appearance has the right image. You talked about lighting and how important lighting can be. Um, and I see that because some of the lights get a very harsh tone on your face. Mm-hmm. So getting something that has a softer tone to me, I think, is much more appealing. But yeah. there's so many factors there that are worth considering. So anything else you want to give us advice on about virtual appearance? Yes. Uh, if you can set up your office so that you're facing a window, you're looking out a window, you're going to have that natural, all that beautiful natural light on your face. That's a great setup. I always set up my offices like that. Of course, I'm on screen a lot. I'm working with people. But uh, if you can set up your office that way, that's better. If your window's directly behind you, it's hard to light yourself effectively. You will be a silhouette unless you have a lot of light coming onto your face. And then you might feel hot because you've got to have all these lights on your face. So if you can arrange it so the window, you're facing the window Uh, If it's to the side of you, you're going to get a strong light on one side of your face and shadows on the other. So you will need to light the other side of your face so that you're not half in shadow. And another big factor is the angle of your camera. Do not have your camera looking up at you. Like, so we see your neck and your chin. That's just not a flattering angle. It can be really distracting and it's not necessarily pleasant for people to look at. So just put your laptop or your computer or your camera up on a little stand when you are meeting people online. All right. So a few other tips. And what do you think about this idea of talking to the camera as opposed to looking at the faces of people that you're seeing online? It's always nice. I mean, it's hard to do that. It's hard to stare right at the camera the whole time because then you don't feel that connection. So just every now and then raise your eyes to the camera in a moment, you know, make a connection with the camera. But Generally, I understand it's just psychologically, it's easier to look at the faces. Okay. Um, and then I just do be aware of the look on your face. Um, have, a, have awareness about your facial expression. Some people don't realize it, but they just look like so unengaged or uninterested um, in an important meeting that it would matter that they would look engaged. It would actually make an impression. So have a little smile or, you know, eyes present looking, that matters. Right. And if nothing sometimes, else. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. Just nod your head every now and then. So at exactly. least the, the, the people speaking know that you're paying attention. Okay, and smile Aaron, every now and then. <laughs> my favorite question, one minute for you to answer it. What takes you out of your comfort zone and what's your secret to success? Mm, being willing to take calculated risk. And for me recently, this has been choosing to invest in expert help to help me grow my business, to improve my health, my relationships. It can be scary to make a big investment, but when you do it with, you know, wisely and you 
invest in an expert help, it's going to pay off. It's going to help you get where you want to go and there will be a reward. So Uh that's one of the ways that I am currently taking risks and getting out of my comfort zone. Getting out of your comfort zone. All right. Fabulous. My guest today is Erin Mattis. She's the co-founder of the Style Core. As you've heard, she helps people up-level their personal style so they can show the world who they really are and align their image with the impact that they want to have. I love that statement. Um, you can learn more about Erin's work and find her TED Talk at erinmattis.com. Erin is also offering a free style core challenge that starts on June 14th to the 17th. And you can sign up for that on her website, erinmattis.com. Erin, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Thank you. And then join us next week for more wisdom and getting out of your comfort zone. And if you'd like to know more about this topic and other ways to excel in your career, check out our subscription service at outofthecomfortzone.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.